guys, M456, welcome to a new podcast. So glad you're here. Uh, listen, if you're watching on video, you're going to see this gorgeous blonde sitting next to me. Uh, and I am so excited. It is not John McAllister. You're a little <laughs> prettier than him. Oh, he's so much cooler than me, though. But yeah. hey, guys, we wanted to uh, to keep things moving with men and how amazing men are and what God's called us to as men. And I can't think of anyone better than than you, babe, to do that. We have Lisa Marie Black, Mrs. Black, with us today. Why do you think I would be the perfect person for that? Uh, because I think, uh, well, I'm a little biased. I love men. <laughs> you do. You love I men. I do. I love men. And you you love men well. I do. I love, I love listening to stories of old men. I love watching young men struggle, figuring life out and praying for them. And I, I have four sons and I just, I absolutely think men are fascinating creatures. Men are fascinating creatures. Well, that's a good way to start. Look at if you're, if you're watching on our Patreon, Gary and Lisa Black, uh, patreon.com slash Gary and Lisa Black. You'll see the video of my gorgeous wife. I'm looking fairly well today as myself. It's awesome. You're, you um, look so you, hot. You can watch the video on the journeyman um, page on Facebook uh, and if you're just listening, uh, you're missing out. I can tell you that. Our whole family, our kids are behind us in a picture. It's incredible. Let's start, babe. I wanted you. So the reason I wanted to do this with you today is that, I mean, there's an onslaught, as we know, and there has been for a long time yeah. against men. Yes. Um, and there's just an onslaught yes. against boys and genderism and all Masculinity. the things. Masculinity. And I've encouraged you guys, if you haven't yet, and- if you're new to faith, I probably wouldn't advise it, but this book, uh, Return of the Gods, John Jonathan Cain, uh, has changed me. Uh, it's incredible of giving us a picture of what's happening in America and around the world right now, what the enemy is doing specifically against men. Um, it's fascinating with the dates. Uh, June 26th, we're in Pride Month, and uh, ancient Pride Month was June, and what uh, the Baal spirit, what Ishtar, what Moloch was doing to the Israelites and another Christian nation yeah. in ancient days is happening again now in America because we've opened these same doors, um, but they've come back with seven of their friends. Mm -hmm. And so instead of hundreds of thousands of young boys being sacrificed at the Baal altar, we have 60 million kids that have been murdered in America. It's come back seven times stronger. And so I, anyway, honey, I want us to encourage men today. I want you, you teach on this. You used to teach a whole week on this yeah. at G42. We've done a video for this before. Yes. I think for uh, Mandate 456. Um, but I want us to just kind of do the intro okay. to men and what God said to you about men. And, uh, and then we're going to ask some questions. So. I know I've just been observing men my whole life and where are you going, babe? I'm going to check that stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> he just, yeah. Okay. The whole point is men need to stay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just walked away from me. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, hi baby. Hi. You look good. Um, yeah. I just always been observing men and my father was raised in a really abusive household. And I only knew that because I would hear stories about it. And I remember that he would get very quiet sometimes. And I remember watching him get quiet. I would think my dad's hurting. And I had a grandmother that said to me one time, she said, I watched you when you were three years old, walk across the room to put your arm around your dad. However, other females that I grew up with 
when my dad got quiet, they thought he was rejecting them. And it started this kind of cycle of misunderstanding between the genders and the house that I lived in. And while I probably look very, very feminine in the things that I do, I have a lot of what people would call traditionally masculine traits as far as like, I don't know, I love big trucks and I love motorcycles and I love all things masculine, but I've not lost my femininity in my fascination with things that are masculine. You love all things masculine so much that you <laughs> took my truck from me. Babe, I had the keys. <laughs> <laughs> she literally took my truck, guys. I'm just, it's the sweetest and it's truck. a badass truck. He's I, not a Harley. He's not suffering. Yeah, I do have the Harley. Yeah, he's not suffering. Shout out to Eli Regalado. Come on. But I love my truck yeah. because I am up above things. I have power. I have, I mean, I always tell people a story. I was widowed when I was 25 years old. The first thing I did was I had a company car because I was in sales and my husband at the time had like this little blue car. And so I traded those two in and I bought a truck. And it was, and and when I went to work, which I love dresses, I naturally wear dresses all the time because I think they're more comfortable and they're more my personality. But I went and bought some like suits when my husband died. And it was un, it wasn't conscious, but there was something in me that said like, you are the provider and the protector and the leader of your family now. And I think I got a little like, I need, I need more metal around me and I need more protection around me. And those five years of being the only parent in the home and the only provider and the only protector gave me a deeper sense of the weight that men carry. Yeah. It gave you compassion for the weight that men carry. Yes. Your husband um, dying gave you a greater uh, appreciation for me, for our marriage. Yeah. And it's made our marriage you put up with my shit for so long, which was a lot to put up with for 23 years. Yeah. And it's just, you, but because of all that, it made you who you are today. So give us the, your intro, like what, when you're walking guys and women in the same room, because you know, one of the biggest battle is getting women to like men again. I know. Is that fair to say? And like, I think I'm going to die on that crusade yes. because we were all born with a purpose and we have a overarching purpose as human beings, but we have different purposes as men and women. Yes. And if we base our purpose on our roles, we're going to be really confused right now. Okay. That's so good. If you look all through history at, at a role. So up to a certain time um, in world war two, men were always out in front. They always were in the workplace and they were always the front line of battles and women naturally stayed home nourished. Now this is a natural evolution because if you think about it, a man cannot carry a baby nor can a man breastfeed. So the natural evolution is man is going to go hunt and kill because can you imagine trying to breastfeed or have a two-year-old screaming while you're trying to sneak up on dinner? To kill well, them. and we honestly watch that with African women yes, living in Africa. They do it. They do I mean, everything. You do yeah. it, and their babies sleep. Mine never slept, so <laughs> right. I wouldn't be a good hunter. But it was just the natural evolution that we broke into roles. But that is not our purpose. A man's purpose, the reason that Adam was born first, and he was born outside the garden, yes, right? In right. the wild. Because shout out to wild. John Eldridge. Yes, yes absolutely. It, he his purpose is the reason he was born first is he's foundational. If you talk to any man in construction or any woman in construction, you realize that without like these, these skyscrapers that we see, what would happen if that foundation wasn't sure, if it wasn't deep, if it wasn't strong, if it wasn't even, 
I love watching like these remodel shows where they go into like 300 year old houses. The first thing they have to do is start with foundation. Yes. Because before anyone comes in and says, we need this color walls or we need this, we have got to have a sure foundation or it's all going to fall anyway. And the thing about foundation, like we have foundation under what we're, we're on right now. It is not talked about. It is unseen. It's not always sexy. Sometimes it's completely quiet, but nothing exists above that foundation without that foundation being secure. So I think when you're looking at just a house, the man is literally the, the concrete foundation that everything else is built upon. And the women are the women, the children, everything that comes after them is built upon that foundation. Okay. So they add. So the man is the foundation. Yes. So Adam was the foundation. Foundation for culture, foundation for God's plan, for creation, for and for family. Okay. And so when we went to Africa, you and I with our six children and moved to Swaziland, what how would you describe family or culture? Well, the men disappeared. 1600 years ago and you can't even see them they're nowhere to be found and the women have to do everything and it's completely out of balance it's catastrophic it's catastrophic there's no protection for the children okay. there's no protection for the women and the women have to carry what they were created to carry which we do we're yep. rock stars at it yeah, but we absolutely. also and have you'll to do it no matter what we will do it yes and i've done it you have. and i'm really glad i don't have to do it anymore <laughs> well, that's good. Okay, so men are the foundation, yeah. and women then add to that foundation. We're built upon it. You're built upon it, yes. and you build upon it. Yes. Right? Yes. So I love when you talk about you're the receiver. Women are receivers. We are receive. Our bodies are created to receive. We receive sperm, and it becomes a baby. Right? You give me. You give me groceries. I'll make you a meal. We're moving this weekend. I will make that place a home. Right Absolutely. now, it's white on white on white. It'll be the warmest, coziest thing you've ever experienced. You gave me a house. I'm going to make it a home. We multiply everything and we sustain. And you guys are the creators of life, but we are the sustainers of life. That's good. It's a good and way to say it. So instead of always looking at the opposite sex as your enemy or your adversary, the beautiful thing is looking at the partnership that I have a unique purpose and you have a unique purpose. And I really will not be successful living out my purpose without you living out your purpose. Absolutely. So when we went to Africa and we saw the lack of men, what we saw was some men had just left. A lot of them died from HIV, but most of them that we did find had completely given up. And I have a great deal of compassion for that because when you... When you visit other countries and you can come to, into any of our cities in America and see the same thing, or you can go into the suburbs and what you see is men so overloaded and so lonely and so afraid to let anyone know that they're struggling, that the highest suicide rate we have in this country now is white 50 year old men. Yes. And we're not sounding the alarm about what's happening to our men. Okay. We're basically cutting their balls off. And we're telling, I can say that because I'm a woman, we are castrating our men emotionally, yes. physically, and spiritually. And then we're screaming, what, what's wrong with society? Would you say that's true in the world and in the church, in every aspect of our culture? Everywhere, okay. everywhere. But I think we're all starting to get uncomfortable now because we're seeing it more in our country than we've ever seen it before in our country. And we liked it when things were happening 
in Nicaragua or Africa and we or could go Haiti visit or, that or yeah. Haiti and we could go say, oh, we, we, we gave this man a t-shirt and some water and then we come back to our suburban homes. Our men, even our wealthy, wealthy, successful, however you want to look at it, are dying inside. And we have to take responsibility for and ask what is happening. And it is completely unacceptable for a man to say, I hate women. Right. right. He's right away. He's going to be labeled everything. I hear young women say all the time. I hate men. I'm like, that's half of the world that you just cut out. Yes. And I understand the hurt. I understand that men have more physical strength than us. And they have used that at times. And some still do today to Many, lord yes. over us, abuse us, take advantage of us. So the difference between a boy and a man is a boy is looking for momentary pleasure. A man is looking for, he can, he can steward his momentary pleasure, but he's looking for lifelong fulfillment. Mm. So we have an entire generation of boys in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, because we have told them, don't do anything with your life. Just play video games. Give yourself momentary pleasure and be quiet and leave the rest of us alone. And now they're doing it. Now they're actually now doing they're it. hiding yeah. and they're scared to come out of where they don't even know what it looks like to no, come out of their. They face. don't. There's so many of them now at 30, 35 that have never had relationship except with porn. Yeah. Have never had to talk to an, uh, the opposite sex necessarily. I mean, guys, I'm telling you this from experience. We deal with this and used to deal with this all the time uh, with our alumni. And they just, they don't even see women yeah. because they're just afraid. And it's much easier to sit there and play video game because you get the it endorphins. Risk, but it doesn't risk. There's no risk. There's no risk. And you watch the porn and you get the endorphin, but there's zero risk. So your heart closes and your whole life shuts down. I, I heard it today. A man <clears throat> makes a plan for a woman. So if you're dating somebody and he's not making plans for you, and how your family's going to look and what, how he's going to lead you. If he's just in it for pleasure, get the hell out immediately. Don't even hesitate and wait, right? If he's not coming in and cultivating the garden, all he's doing is taking from the garden, the fruits of that pleasure, then you're in the wrong relationship. He's a taker. He's a taker. He's a taker. And that's what boys do, not men. Yes. Right? Yeah, well, and the other side of what boys do is they're, it's a self it's a self-centered focus. And when you're a two-year-old little boy, you are just focused on what you want to do and how, what you want to eat. And what we do that as girls too. The evolution into manhood says, and this to me is that this is the, my simple, simple breakdown is I'm not going to call a man, a bad man, but maybe a broken man, a broken man will look at vulnerability and he will think, how can I take advantage of that for my own pleasure? A good man, I will say a good man, will look at vulnerability and he'll say, how can I protect that? How can I serve mm. that? And yeah. How can I lay my life down to make that even greater? Mm. That's the difference. That's huge. It's huge. And we meet so many, even married for many, many years yeah. that are either one or, one or the other, right? Yeah. They're still taking and their wives have put up with it or just died to it. Well, and I was confused because um, it was it's interesting, you and I every night, we usually send each other like a reel or something that kind of describes our marriage and makes us laugh really hard. Yeah, we do. And the one um, someone <laughs> sent me was this pastor and he was saying, um, 
the number one desire of women in this church or in churches or wherever they were doing this study from their husbands, their number one desire from their husbands was non-sexual touch. Hmm. And I, I was so freaked out by that, <laughs> that, you know how, you know, I'll come out and I'm like, what does this mean? I'm thinking, well, okay, he's not your father. He's not your brother. He's not your son. That's your man. Like you picked him. You put on a dress, you shaved everything, and you wanted to be the best you could for that man on one particular day. And now the thought that he wants to touch you sexually is the last thing you want. And I'm thinking, okay, are the women missing it or the men missing it or is everyone missing it? And then I thought, like, I don't know the difference between sexual touch and non-sexual touch because you're my husband. So- we don't hug each other like friends. And the day that you do hug me, like I'm like your, your sister, yeah. I'll be like, dude, what's, <laughs> what's wrong what's with going on? Walk by and slap your ass. So, Something's wrong. I know. So I had, so I was asking, <laughs> I asked a lot of people like, what are you guys talking about? This non-sexual touch? Why do you want that? And then I realized that there are marriages and relationships where a man is not noticing, acknowledging, covering, respecting his wife. He's only coming to her when he wants sex. Sex. Yeah. And you've got a lot of women who have been abused. Yes. And so when they get married, they think that's going to fix it. It doesn't. Uh, they go to all the therapy and all the counseling and that doesn't fix it yeah. and, unless you can actually use the tools that you're learning instead of staying a victim. Yes. Right? And so they would, they do like non-sexual touch because sexual touch feels like it triggers that abuse. Exactly. Right? And that is a huge thing. And and I mean, most of the women I talk to have been abused in some... Sh now, people use the word sexual assault a lot differently than my generation did. Right. Like what they call sexual assault now, we called Friday night. <laughs> I mean, well, we were just like... Yeah. This yeah. Is... I mean, it's probably... And I'm not saying that they're wrong. Right. I'm right, not right, saying... Right. I'm just saying it's very... When someone says to me, I was sexually assaulted, I picture <laughs> something differently than what they're describing and so we're we're not being we're not able to separate our intimate relationships that are god ordained from the abusive relationships that were an act of violence against our bodies mm, right. and i can understand why women struggle with that because everything's connected for us so maybe a, a touch from one man feels like a touch from every man that went before that and that's that's a huge obstacle for a husband to overcome. Huge. It's going to take a lot of patience and a lot of love. A lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yes. Can you get there? Can you get to help? I I think, <clears throat> I don't know if getting to help means, I think that, okay, here's what I think. The idea that we have in our heads now is that I'm going to get this therapist or I'm going to do this or whatever, and it'll be as if the trauma never happens. Yeah. And I think we have to get to a place where the trauma, admitting the trauma did happen, it is real, but I don't want it to control me the rest of my life. Yes. And women. And not only do I not want it to control me, I, don't I want, actually want yeah. it to transform me. Yeah. So that I can help other women overcome their abuse. Well, or just live a happy life. Yeah. You know, because I think people always go to that. Well, this is going to benefit someone else. When you are dying in your own pain. You're not thinking of all the people that you're going to be able to save or, right. or, you know, when I've been in grief, I've never one moment thought I am going to help so many people walk through grief. I, it was more like, okay, God, can you get me through oatmeal? 
and then like we can re re-engage after oatmeal. Well, I love what you said today on the we did a radio show earlier today um with an incredible woman who has been through a lot of this. Yeah. And she's just awesome. Um but you you said it a different way. You said um about the grief that when you're in it, yeah. It's like you've got to own that and learn from that grief and let it do its process mm -hmm. before you go running around trying to heal everybody exactly. else. Right. Exactly. And and that is key. But it's also key that when we do have that trauma and we do have that grief or whatever that trigger is, that yes. thing, that it can be healed. Yes. And we can overcome it. And then eventually we will help other people overcome it. Through example, probably. You know, yeah. I mean, it was, we were just telling the story that Father's Day, we had our dads, which was precious. Both of our dads are still living. And um, you were grilling and Everyone knows I'm obsessed with your beard. So while you were grilling, I just thought you Did looked you see that, guys? incredibly handsome. Watching. And so I just, I grabbed your face and I kissed you. And our 20-year-old son was saying, and he said, I hope to be, make other people as uncomfortable as you and dad make people <laughs> all, all the time yes. when I've been married for 20-some years. And I was like, yay. Yes. Yay. He was, I, I love that, that we also don't have a ton of examples of people that have been together for a long time that still have affection or attraction. We've, we've all fed our, <laughs> fed our offenses to the point where we wake up in the morning and think that our man is our enemy. And he's over there doing, I'm killing myself to take care of everything that I see that is important to you. And you're hooked up on this one thing, this one mistake I did in 1985. And it's time. And it's never, and you're never going to let me forget it. Yes. Okay. So let me ask you this then. So I deal with this all the time with the Wild Courage guys, with our alumni, with everybody. A woman will call you and my, I just caught my husband looking at porn again. He promised me he'd stop. Yeah. He cannot stop. He's totally addicted. And it makes me not want to have sex with him or love him. What, what do you speak to a woman or, and to a man in something like that? First of all, it's got to be priority. Like this issue has to be priority because it is stealing your intimacy. It's stealing your manhood and it's stealing your womanhood. I mean, there's zero, you will not find anyone on earth that tells you there's any benefit to porn. Right. Unless except they're for the guy that made yes. billions of dollars and died. Yeah. But he died a horrible death as he should, <laughs> but it's, it is the, it's another counterfeit for intimacy. And so the way a woman knows, like this was always cracked me up when I was single. And one of your buddies was always trying to set me up with some guy at the church. And he would go from, he always missed my eyes and went right to my boobs. And I thought, you I have nice boobs. So well, I, I used to have really nice yeah. boobs, but I used, I, I just thought, can he, does he think I can't tell that his eyes went there first? Like it's, we know, we know when you're checking out another woman, I recently have asked you a ton of questions about your life before me, and we've had some great conversations. Scary, but scary, great. but good conversations. But I have changed my perspective, and this is what I teach my male and female students, is we always as women take it personally when our men find another woman attractive instead of realizing that it's primal. Now, there's a there's basics that God put in me, like part of the reason you were attracted to me and you don't even know it is because I have hips 
and something because you have what i have hips oh hips i thought you said there's something primal in you that's like this is this woman can carry my ginormous viking children and she's got hips and you did and i did i carried (laughs) ginormous viking children hips don't lie it's a there's primal attraction just like there's pheromones there's everything else and what i find attractive in man is is men that are very masculine I know when you're attracted to a beautiful woman because we'll have a conversation about it. And I'm just like, she's hot, huh? Like that, that last time we went to that restaurant downtown, that Come on. restaurant, and we were both so intimidated by this woman, our server. <laughs> she was so beautiful that it kind of was a little distracting. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and I put like my best dress See, on. I don't think that it happened at that but degree. What but I said to you, she was like, a gorgeous she, woman. I was like, dude, she's hot. I can't compete with a 29 year old. I'm not an idiot, but I'm the one you're going home with. And yeah, so you, I Jesus. did, it didn't ruin our date <clears throat> that our server was beautiful. It just, it, I didn't let it go there because I knew that you were not you were not doing anything other than being primally aware that there was an attraction. And, and let me make sure I clarify this for some of you guys. I could give you more. Because we're going to get into the porn thing a little bit. But um, when, you know, I've taught my boys this their whole lives. It was great. Noah growing up in Spain, no women had shirts on at the beach. You or know, these pants. 25-year-old <laughs> Norwegian girls would come down and no shirt, you know, just topless. And he was 12 and would get so embarrassed. And, so and I'd say, listen, son, remember, you get to look once, say, thank you, Jesus, for making that incredible woman, and then look away. Keep your eyes right here in my eyes, right? Yes. And it just lifted it from him yes. where it was kind of like, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. And now I'm okay, right? And I think if if we don't learn how to do that as men, if we obsess over which is what pornography is. It's an, an, a, a, a dark obsession, yeah. a false obsession. If we cannot just look and say, thank you for this incredible creature right. you've created, Father. And oh my gosh, I'm going to honor her yes. with my eyes and with my thoughts, yes. right? And not perfectly all the time. There's no way we can do that, right? But we, we th- when we train ourselves, Jesus says, take every thought captive. And what I have learned to do with there pornography is. and in marriage is I'll see a really attractive woman right. and I'll, I'll say it to her first. Wow. She's, she's gorgeous. Like, I know her hair is amazing. Right. But I take those, those thoughts then captive and then you don't I, take them into lust. I don't take them into the dark side. Yes. I take them in the spirit side. They don't go into my emotions or my flesh. They go into my spirit mm-hmm. where it's redeemed and re- renewed. And then I'm captivated by our love. Right. As you should be not, not held captive too wrong thinking right this is what i guess and that's i mean and that is what manhood and womanhood is is when we are young or immature and this you could be 80 years old and act this way if you choose to we let our emotions and our thoughts rule us and we become a slave to them stepping into womanhood and manhood says i am actually going to rein this in i i am the queen i am the queen of these emotions i am the queen of my thoughts i get to actually choose and this idea that we don't have the choice to stop it at a certain point. So what is happening with people that have been violated in a certain way, they they cannot separate the, the lust that they felt coming from someone else versus the sensual touch of someone who actually loves them and wants to serve them. Yeah, and has pure motives, mostly instead of just lustful motives. And I do... I. I am aware. I mean, I'm not naive. I I worked in crisis counseling for years and I've, I've had to call the police Absolutely. more times than I wanted to on assaults and, and rape and different situations and horrible situations. I know these things are happening. 
I'm talking about when we get to rise above it, when we're no longer captive in a home we don't want to be in or a situation we don't want to be in. When we're outside of it, then we get to decide what do I want to do with this? And am I going to let something that happened to me at this time in my life then destroy the potential of an intimate relationship with someone that's worthy of my trust and worthy of my time and worthy of my body? Hmm. And do you feel like that helps a man to step up when you have that kind of confidence? I would love to hear your take on that because I do believe, I mean, <clears throat> what I've heard and what I've read is that the, the most attractive thing to a man in a female is self-confidence. Absolutely. But it's not arrogance. No, it's and courage. It, it's, it's, it's strength. What were we watch? Oh, we love to watch stand-up comedians. What did he say? He's like, you don't want to marry a supermodel. You want to marry someone who can pick up the other end of the couch. <laughs> yes, you can carry the couch with you. Absolutely. We love that strength. Okay. And that, that's a, that is beauty. Because you shouted out an amen. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I used to move all the stuff, but oh. now I now I call people for help because I've injured myself. And I just wanted to make sure I was still attractive to you because I can't carry couches You're anymore. more attractive to okay, me now. Just checking. Not just because you're helpless with moving furniture. <laughs> okay. So what do you say to the young woman? He's addicted. He's looking. We have children. I, I have no love for him. What do you tell her? I What a brilliant plan of the enemies to destroy a family. Yes. Think of that pixels can literally destroy intimacy, marriage, and an entire family. Instantly. Pixels. Yeah. Like we, we are bowing to these gods and saying that they are in control of our life. It's, it is bizarre to me that a hundred years ago, we never even thought this was possible because our generation had to like, I mean, I remember my buddies telling me, cause I only hung out with boys. They're like, we got a plan when our dad's gone to go get cigarettes so we can go get his Playboy so we can take it down to the creek. And then we got a plan when he goes to get another pack of cigarettes so we can put the Playboy back. I mean, we had to really fight yeah. to see it. Well, I read, I, you guys have to, this no. generation has to like fight not to see I it. I read it yesterday. The a hundred years ago, the average man would see three naked, different women than their wives, three in their whole life. Their whole life. And now they can see that in seconds. In seconds. Right. And so, yes, it is different. So you're, you're, what, what I hear you saying is young lady, you get to see, you're married, you're in a covenant. So you're going to stay in, right. You're going to speak the truth in love and you're going to ask him who he's talking to and who he's accountable to with this. And I want to know why is it there? Yeah. Like with my, the stuff that I struggle with still at 53, what I'm asking the Lord is why is this here? What is this trying to teach me? What do I have control over? What what do I need to surrender? And I I think if this was an issue with you, which thank you that it isn't. I do really. really well, you thank me most days, do which does help me stop when does. I get tempted. Yes. Well, because it looks different than I think it used to, and I haven't looked. I it doesn't interest me at all. It makes me kind of feel like I'm gonna vomit. But I love sex. I absolutely love sex, and I have a very healthy attitude with sex. But I, instead of instantly going to all of my insecurities or wondering what's wrong with me, now that I'm a grown woman, I would look at you and say, what, what is, what is this? And how do we, how do we heal this? And how can I be your partner in healing this? And I want to be intimate with you. I want to know that my body's safe. I want to know my heart's safe. We all, we're all looking for the same thing. Am I safe with this person? But I'm telling you one little thing of offense can get in there and ruin a long marriage or bring coldness between two people where they stand like your kids know when you're not speaking. Right. 
Like if you think that people are not picking up on the tension between your bodies or the fact that you won't make eye contact, what is this worth? To me, my marriage is worth that. My kids are worth, like my grandchildren are worth me dealing with myself because I want to be an example to my granddaughters and my daughters of this is how a woman conducts herself. It doesn't mean I don't have pain. doesn't mean I don't cry. doesn't mean I don't have bad days. doesn't mean I don't have insecurities. Although I probably could use a few more insecurities. I'm a little too overconfident, but it's just like, what, what is this worth? And if, if you were struggling in any area, all I would want you to say to me is, I know this is not benefiting us. I know this is hurting us. Will you partner with me? Like it's, but if you're so afraid, because this is what I asked you, I said, are men, are men hiding this only from their wives because they're ashamed or because they don't want their wives to freak out? And you said, yes. Yes, absolutely. So as a man who isn't in a relationship with a woman, are they going to feel anything about these activities? No, that's why it's so prevalent. I mean, they do feel ashamed. Okay. There's no question. You can't look at a young girl that's a bunch of pixels and masturbate to her or have all these horrible things. Or, I mean, there's all kinds of porn. You know, we get confronted by people telling us the porn they look at. And we're, we didn't even know that stuff was out there. Yeah, we didn't even know it existed. But <laughs> if you're looking at that and that's the thing that drives you, then there's something broken yeah. and there's something off. And you got to grow the fuck up as a young man and actually grab hold of that and take it to the father. And instead of saying, please, God, take this away, stop this, you ha- you get to say, father, will you come and father me in this? Mm-hmm. Will nice. you show up when I, when, when that temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you guys have heard me say it a thousand times. It's all temptation is common to man. We're all tempted by this stuff, right? But he says, he'll give you a way out every single time mm-hmm. when the temptation comes go read it it's an incredible verse you need to memorize it sometimes it's a split second decision mm-hmm. i know that's true for yeah me, right if if i'm tempted to masturbate i literally now that whisper is so loud that this is your way out right now if you want to stop right and so it's like i get to make that decision and the more i make that decision to not do it the more i don't even need to think about it it just becomes exactly. who i am exactly right but we i think we always know Right. Like we always know, like that a lot of people have asked me a lot of important people in our life. Like my dad asked me to ask you not to ride your motorcycle anymore because right. he doesn't want me to be widowed again. Which I bless you, dad. My dad is almost 80 and he just gave his crotch rocket up like right. four years ago. So it's a bizarre conversation, <laughs> right. but it, it's like you and I have conversations about your motorcycle. And before you leave on a Saturday morning, I just, I kiss you. I pray over you. I say, Hey, when you stop somewhere, text me if I don't go with you, but you've told me that you are so now in touch that the Lord's like, no, go, go left. Don't go right here or skip this intersection or go the back road or whatever. And I trust that you hear Holy spirit. So where I used to be a little, like every time you, I swear, every time you get on your bike, instant sirens. And one day I was hanging out with your boy, Noah, our youngest son. And I was like, Noah, can you check dad's phone? Like where he's at? Cause I just heard sirens and he just took off on his bike. And he said, Oh, the, the sirens haven't even got there yet. Mom, he's still riding on the side of the road <laughs> okay. and he made fun of it. That's my boy. <laughs> and I thought, okay, if I'm going to trust that he hears the Lord in this, I have to trust and just, I have to release it. Yeah. And I, and I don't use it as an excuse, but I literally, Holy Spirit will say, slow down now. Yeah. And I slow down 
And and that's where we need to be in tune with all of these things. And and I, you know, riding a motorcycle is not pornography. Um, but but it could kill you. Well, yeah. Just like getting uh, in my truck could kill me. Right. And I do feel like I have a responsibility to put my seatbelt on and to abide laws so as not to bring more chaos to the earth. Absolutely. And the porn and the addictions are killing you slowly. Absolutely. And and it's, it's Benjamin Franklin's famous line when he said, most men are dead at 40 and buried at 70. It's because of our addictions that we, we, we slowly die and we're dead way before we're buried and we're not giving life to anybody. We don't become, we, we lose the being the foundation yes. as men and we become crumbled foundation. There's cracks in the foundation. Cracks everywhere. Yes. And then we can't do anything and everything seeps through the cracks Absolutely. and it destroys the whole family. And that's literally what's happening on the planet. What's happening to, to America. All right. So let's wrap up. So men, you're talking to men right now. Mandate 456, Malachi 45 and 6, M456 podcast for men. What do you want to say to them? We need you. <laughs> no, seriously, like it's, we need men and we need them to be fully masculine and we need to celebrate their masculinity. And I think we're, we're on the verge of a generation of dads that knows how to like bend down and pick their baby boy up and say, I know you're hurt or you're sad or you're whatever and hug them, but also encourage them in the next step to be dangerous. Yes. And to be brave. And all of our children need to know this. Like when you look at the equipment that we played on when we were in school, our parents were encouraging us to be dangerous yes. and brave. Like we balanced on logs and we did crazy stuff. And our parents weren't standing there all the time going, you're kind of, don't get hurt. Don't what get was hurt. the miracle-round thing? Miracle-round. Too hot to touch. Yeah, was, and you flip off and it has to go <laughs> trap. But our, I mean, our slides, exactly. everything. Yeah. And you know, and our son is in sales right now, our youngest son. And He's like, I want to be a cowboy. And I was like, dude, go be a cowboy. Absolutely. I, I want his hands just scratched up from barbed wire. I want him to get thrown off a horse. I've been kicked by a horse before. I'm pretty sure. And you got 13, a blue ribbon. I got a blue ribbon. But I'm pretty sure I still have the bruise where that horse kicked me. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I learned not to walk too closely behind a horse without letting him know you're there. That's how you learn is you're, there's going to be scrapes and boo-boos, but you stay in the fight. And the thing that I love about the men in our family is they stay in the fight. And I think our job as women is to grab their beards every once in a while and say, thank you. Instead of meeting your man at the door with, here's what's wrong. And I, I was a hundred percent that guy because we had a lot of kids and I was drowning in children. And I would meet you at the door with everything that was wrong. And then I realized I need to meet him at the door with a kiss and ask him how his day was. And then listen, we learned over years of marriage, like he needs to decompress a little bit. You know, the drive from downtown to our house was not long enough. Right. And I realized though, that when we started working more as a team, when we would say things to like, I'll do homework, you clean up the dishes and let's be in bed having sex by 8:30. We were both pretty motivated to get in bed like get done what we needed to do as partners to get to what was really important to us. Yes. And I think that's just a shift in mindset instead of thinking this guy is out to make my life miserable or this woman is out to torture me. This is a person you chose. This is your partner. Whatever they're struggling with is your struggle. Whatever whatever pain they have is your pain. And so if you confront that with this is our struggle and this is our pain and we're going to overcome this together, 
it switches from everyone trying to hide what's really going on with yeah, her. Yeah, a hundred percent. I watched Renee Brown the other day. I know you love her so I, much. Well, she's incredible. She's a genius. I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris Valentin can't stop ever quoting her original well, TED talk that made her famous. They're both geniuses, right? Yeah. Um, but I love what she said about marriage. It's not a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's not fifty-fifty. Sometimes it's sixty-forty. And and what she's learned to do with her husband is when she comes in the door, they literally say this to each other every single time. Where are you at? Where are you today? And there and her husband could say, I'm a 40, and she'll say, Okay, I got the other 60. I got it today. Yeah. Sometimes though, they'll say, I'm 20 and I'm 20. And she said, Then we know we got to make a plan of how we're gonna get through the evening. Because if we stay here and don't have a plan and don't connect hearts, it's gonna blow. And so they'll sit down and make a plan of, okay, let's get to bed early or whatever that looks like. Reset. And so, yeah, I love that idea of, look, my bride can't make up 60% right now. I'm going to do that. And I think as men, that is more our responsibility than our brides, for sure. We're the ones who get to step up. We, we are as crisis to the church. We lay our lives down for our brides. I don't know how we've missed this in scripture that we lorded over them and that we're the head and all the bullshit that we've taught from our immature pulpits. Yeah, it doesn't work very well. (laughs) Yes, I'm the head of my home. After I've submitted everything to her and said, what's Holy Spirit saying to you? Because her voice sounds a lot like Holy Spirit. Then I get to make a decision. If we're not making a decision, I get to make a decision. And she's going to say yes to that every time because she knows I'm listening to her first and Holy Spirit. And we're making those decisions together, right? And so guys, I want to encourage you, like you need to get this whole teaching that she does. She would literally do it for a week. They have it. You, They have it somewhere in the files. Yes. Okay. If not, we'll redo it because um, we're shifting now um, from our app um, over to a Facebook page. And I know I got a lot of angry men who refuse to do Facebook. I tell them, grow the hell up. You're fine. Go on Facebook just to go to the the m456 place journeyman and and get fed some real good meat the courses we're going to be doing and have done the stuff i'm going to bring her in to be doing you need some place that you can go get fed consistently on who you are as a man and what does it look like to literally be married in a in a in a, an incredible way as a man not a boy or how to date as a man not a boy those are the things we want to give you Anything else you want to end with? No, I was just going to say like the the last, um, for people that don't know, like our whole story, but we lost our son 10 years ago and I had already been through a lot of tragedy up to that point and it leveled me completely. I mean, it, it, I was done. Like if someone had given me the option to peace out and, and knowing that my family would have been okay, I would have done it in a heartbeat. I did not even want to be alive. I was in so much grief and so much pain and you taught me to rest and you honored me in my pain. You never shamed me and you didn't put me down. I'm sure there were times you were very frustrated with me because I, I wasn't fully me at all. I was just kind of a shell of who I was, but you just kept serving me and loving me. And it didn't make me want to be lazy and it didn't make me want to give up. It made me want to do better. Mm. It made me want to get up the next day and do better. And watching your example of the way you live your life, encouraged me when you had faith and I didn't have any, it brought me back to life. And there's been times I've had a word or a vision for something that you didn't have. And it, and it, it changed, it changed where you were going and what you were doing, because we have, we have faith in our partnership that we're in this forever, forever. 
And, and, and that's the last thing I want to say, guys. Marriage is forever. And I know this isn't a marriage podcast. This is about men. Um, but we're in it. And and John McAllister, you guys love him. He's not here today. He literally said the other day at night on our couch, they dro drove through and stayed with us. And he said that um, we make promises to one another and then Jesus holds the covenant. And if we'll see our marriages that way, that that third, that part of that third bond that comes into our marriages is Jesus Christ and he is covenantal and he keeps our covenant together. So young women, if, you're, if your husband's looking at porn, just love on him and ask him how you can enter it with him and what you guys need to do and make a plan. Men, if you can't stop, and grow up and become a man. And it just is, you've got to get help. You've got to get, that's the only time I endorse therapy and get <laughs> some coaching, get to a fire, a wild courage fire, hit me up. Let's start talking through it. Let's start getting that healed. Because when you can renew your mind, I promise you that your covenantal relationships are going to explode. It becomes so much better. Mm -hmm. and, and, and marriage sex is so much better than non-marriage sex, I promise you. Making love to sex, right? Amen. Making love to sex. Oh, yes. True. GaryLisaBlack.com, mandate456.org. Go sign up there. Uh, that's the new spot we're going to be landing very soon. Um, it's, I think, 11 bucks a month. And you can get all the courses, everything we're doing, everything we're talking about. We're going to start doing a bunch of lives and going for it. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us today. And Thanks for we'll have Johnny Cat back soon. Because he's got some stuff on his heart. Next time. All right. See you guys.